Today tastes like heading out the door and driving into town. It tastes like grabbing snacks and a Coke and singing as loud as you can. Today tastes like anything could happen. And it never tasted this good. Summer tastes better with Coca-Cola. Wherever you're going this week, don't forget to grab an ice-cold, refreshing Coca-Cola from 7-Eleven. The been thinking about McDonald's all day can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. Welcome to the Fantasy Golf Degenerates Podcast. going on dgen nation kenny kim here bringing you another fantasy golf degenerates podcast this week for the rock and mortgage classic as usual i am here with everyone's favorite daddy new daddy in the house we got nappy factor going on right now tyler tambley tyler how you doing this week i'm good man a long long weekend so appreciate everybody reaching out you know i wanted to post it up for everyone to see obviously exciting time bring my son into the world sort of my mini me and i'm very excited about that so Thanks to everyone that reached out and supported. And yeah, I got a little bit of baby swag over the weekend, but hopefully I didn't burn it all. And in all technicality, it was he was born after the slate started. So I'm really hoping that it carries over to this week with some of the bigger tournaments because uh, overall on the weekend, and we'll get to it, I had a good weekend, but it wasn't a great weekend because some of my main slate stuff didn't cash. So it could have been a lot better, but that definitely helped making those lineups one o'clock in the morning and shipping the $33 in the round three showdown slate. Yeah, well, winning 10 grand on that $33, probably decent. I mean, especially if you look at my week, these last three weeks that I've had have been dog shit. I've been so bad. I think I've lost like, so I've, I've played about $1,500 these last three weeks and I've lost 800. That might be like the most I've lost in a three week stretch in as long as I can remember. Uh, it, it's, it, it hasn't been great. Uh, but I said last week, you know, usually after a break, uh, I haven't been that, that good. Maybe it's just an excuse I don't know. Hopefully this thing turns around for me a little bit, but let's recap what we saw at the Travelers this past week. Dustin Johnson, again, coming down with his 21st victory. I mean, if you look at his wins, I mean, he has more wins than Freddie Couples, Brent Ben Crenshaw, um, same number, uh, Hale Irwin. Uh, I mean, like, you know, he had the same number, he had the same amount of wins as Davis Love III. I mean, this guy, 
you know, the amount of wins that he has, it's elite, elite company. I mean, he's won 13 years in a row. Uh, the, the Tigers only won 14 in a row or something like that, right? I mean, that, that's the most years in a row Tiger won. Um, I think Jack is 17 in a row. Uh, I mean, the way this guy's playing, I mean, you could see it happen. Um, now, you know, I got a little bit lucky. I would have been even worse probably. It depends on what Kepka did. But, you know, when Kepka withdrew, I, I went ahead and shifted all my shares of Kepka shares to, um, to DJ except for my cash. Which just which killed me because you know if I if I had DJ in cash I would have won in cash even with the three of six, um, and so that that was I went Rose of course and I thought Rose was playing well his irons are going good he's the whole club switch and of course he missed the cut with a triple bogey uh, on on what Friday and like hardly any bird like one birdie or something on a course where everyone was just killing even though I don't think the course was as easy as people thought it was going to be I mean there was only about four guys over 15 under par so it didn't play like crazy easy uh, and you saw with DJ he did not make it easy on himself uh yeah. you know coming down the stretch that one hole where I think it was like 15 or 14 where he tried to go for the green I think it was 15 where he went for the green like why didn't he just pull out like oh an iron like, he could have went, went like wedge wedge Oh, you know what I'm saying? And still been fine. But instead he pulls out the big dog and somehow his ball does not go in the water. I, I have no idea how it didn't. It just literally plugged in that rough. Um, you know, he was able to stave par a couple holes before that. You know, he shanks a drive OB. I mean, it was he didn't make it easy for himself with Streelman running down his neck. And then you got Will Gordon, the story of the week. Um you know, going out there and getting his temporary membership for the rest of the season, which is huge for this kid. I mean, this kid could be pretty good. I mean, I think he's had eight starts on the PGA Tour, and six of them he's been 31st or better, which is pretty damn good for a guy his age and, uh, you know, with the youth settling in. Um, you know, uh, you know, Kevin Niles up there, Bryson, another top five. He's just knocking them down every time. What would you think of the event? Yeah, I only got to tune in to Sunday, really. I got to see a little bit throughout and, you know, following along on DraftKings as I could and looking at some stats and stuff, you know, making those lineups Saturday night and whatnot, or, or Friday night, I guess it was. Time's all messed up here. But um, from what I saw yesterday, I mean, like you said, it was pretty crazy. DJ, as you mentioned, didn't make it very easy on himself. He's the ultimate alpha, though, right? He just doesn't care about anything. He walks around. He does what he wants. He went in the, you know, the water. He had to stand in the water there. Like I said, I don't know how he didn't go in the water, his ball anyways, and, and to stand in and just still make par from that spot or whatever it was like, he, he just, he does what he wants. He walks around, proves it. He doesn't care about stuff that's happened in the past. He doesn't have the, you know, John Rom or, or Terrell Hatton temper where he just freaks out about anything. He just continues on. And, and you know, the best word is saunter, right? He just saunters along, does his thing. And in the end, he still pulls out the wind. Like you said, it wasn't easy on himself, but the pins conditions, everything a little bit tougher for yesterday than what people had thought. You know, I, I was thinking maybe 21 under 22 under, and it turned out 19 gets there. So Good to see on him. Some of the other guys up there, obviously the, you know, elephant in the room was the chalk on this slate and just, you know, the popular golfers in general. It just wasn't very good. Everyone had huge misses. Everyone had similar lineups as far as DFS goes with, the, you know, the Woodlands, Beanows, Schefflers, Neemans, all, all these guys. And then some of the chalk got there. Im and Hovland made it through. Hovland did really well, but, and we'll get to him for this week. But Im was, you know, needed a 160-yard shot into the, the green on 18, puts to two feet and makes the cut on the numbers. So, I mean, he got through, but a lot of people had some disappointment this week and it caused for a lot of shakeups among the leaderboards and, you know, five out of sixes and six out of sixes were still, you know, six of six winning the big ones, but five out of six was playing in some of these higher dollar, lower field uh, GPPs this week. 
Well, yeah, I mean, if you look at it in cash, uh, in the $5 double up, I think 30% of lineups or 70% of lineups had three of six make the cut or worse. Yeah. So, yeah, it was definitely not that week. And, of course, I only had two guys on my cash game corner, so I was making the fucking cut again and literally killing me this week, killing me uh, on Sunday or on Friday. Uh, a couple of guys uh, and the other two guys that I had off, they, like, missed the cut on the number. So it was another frustrating week for me personally. This will um, be the week here, Kenny. This is going to be I'm the week hoping. for you. I'm I, I, that's what I'm hoping. You know, I mean, like, I, I, I can't remember the last time I lost four weeks in a row. That's right. So all in, everybody so, out there, all in. Oh, you know what I'm saying? I, I, I think the last time I lost four weeks in a row was probably like 2016 or 2017 when I barely knew what I was doing and I was playing mostly GPPs every week. You know what I'm saying? Like, exactly. So, yeah. So I mean, that's, that's like the last time. And, and it, 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 it's, I don't know what's going on. It's just could be a bad slump. Um, you know, everyone goes through them, but this one was really bothering me just because of, you know, this is like the only sport that's going on right now. We're getting a lot more attention. We're getting a lot more ears listening to the podcast and I'm just sucking ass. So it's, it's awful. Uh, but yes, this week. Uh, so the, the, one of the good things is I, um, you know, right when the pod was about to start, you know, I told Tambo, my cash game cornerstones, uh, my four cash game cornerstones. And he said he loves to play. Love the plays. So That's we'll see how I go. He did. This words. is the week. Yeah, so th- this could be the week where, where it happens. If I have uh, Tambo riding my back with baby swag going on, uh, it could be the way to go. Uh, let's also talk about the Corn Ferry Tour uh, this past week. So you saw Daniel Summerhays. If, if you guys didn't know the story, Summerhays, he's been on the PGA Tour, a uh, 36-year-old journeyman. He's been you know back and forth between Corn Ferry and PGA Tour throughout his whole career. Uh, no wins as a pro, but he did win on the Corn Ferry Tour as an amateur. Uh, that was his only win, only win on a professional tour. And uh, you know he he said this was going to be his final event. You know he's going to retire. He's going to be a teacher. He's going to teach high school golf or be a coach for high school golf and be a teacher. So it's his home event. He's from Utah, and he goes out there and shoots a sixty-two uh, on on um uh, you know in the final round if i'm not mistaken i think he bogeyed the last hole i I don't remember exactly but uh so he gets you know and he was an early out he has to sweat it out for three hours goes out there uh you know and and then in in the first playoff hole he has a putt to you know to go on to the next to the next hole with the other two guys and it looks like it's gonna go and it doesn't it was disappointing but it was a great story it was like a jv version of uh sink and watson uh, at the Open Championship uh, about a decade ago. Uh, great story, but now I'm hearing, you know, he's going to play this week again. I, he's, he's in the field in Colorado. So let's see. So, I mean, maybe he changed his mind. We'll see how it goes. But still, yeah. it's a great story. Uh, I was more invested in that than the regular event because I was drawing dead. Uh, the only <laughs> thing that kept me alive was uh, I, I hit the Domin top 20 bet, which he literally finished 20th. Like, I was sweating the hell out of that. Uh, I think Phil double bogeyed some hole to save my ass and keep him in the top 20. Um, and so, you know, that, that gave me a slightly positive week uh, on the gambling front, which is weird because I've been slightly positive for three straight weeks gambling, and that doesn't happen that often either. So it's been weird for me uh, uh, these first three weeks back. What did you think about the corn fair? What did you think about uh, Summer Hayes? Yeah, I was around dead for round four main slate, as I mentioned. So it was a it was a good week overall with the sun with the round three hit there. Just to recap our results, we always thirty three. I was in for one hundred and forty three bucks, one ten k and change that day on the week. Only up about four or five k because of the three uh, k. I, I didn't cash it, so I just only went over it on Roto Grinders. I hate you. 
Well, I mean, I'm saying just so people don't think it's all glam and glory. Like it's not what, well, you know, I'll be honest. I don't care. Right. It's a, I took a shot at the 3k last week. It didn't hit and you move on, but it, it was a good tournament. It had a great payout structure. I thought in consideration to a hundred man field and didn't quite get there, but still, like I said, solid week, save some baby swag for this week. As far as the corn fairy tour goes, this is why he fucking quit. Let me explain. You just mentioned, he goes, Eagle birdie birdie bogey's the last probably hates himself. Cause he thought, you know, 21 could hold up. It, but then, it probably would have. It would have actually results oriented wise. But I'm saying in his mind, that's what he's thinking. So he's already winning the million dollars in a GPP. Let's put an analogy out there. He then goes, okay, I see guys with all these PHRs behind me and goes, forget it. There's no way I hold up. All of a sudden some weather picks up all these other lineups, or in this case, golfers in my analogy fall back and they're, they're not even close. They're struggling a little bit. There's maybe a couple get there, maybe one or two get there, but he actually has a chance now. This might actually hold on. And then guess what? Two of them make it into the playoff. He goes to the playoff. He misses, has a horrible tee shot, misses the putt. It's all over. There's a second round of the playoff and he's done. Yeah, that's why he fucking quit because he just lost the million bucks. He thought he had it. It's over. It's the worst feeling in the world. This guy, like you said, he's just, it's heart wrenching to think about, but that's exactly what it feels like being on top of a GPP and then having it ripped away because you think you have no chance. Like, oh, lots of guys are going to catch me. Then they don't. Then they do. And then you lose and it sucks. And that's exactly what he felt like. So I'll be surprised. We'll see if he withdraws or if that's just sort of one of those early things where he was already in the field. And that's part of last week's announcement. But hey, if he wants to give it another run, I don't blame him. We're the degenerates for a reason. If he wants to keep it rolling, keep it rolling. Yeah, I, uh, good for him. We'll see what happens. Uh, you know, you said you won like four grand this past week. I think I won like five grand total last year. And I was really ecstatic about that. Like my overall money made throughout the whole year was five grand. And I was super happy about that. You know what I'm saying? I was in the black. You know, I was happy. And you get that in a week. So I hate you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he will keep that going but there's no like i said we, we play different stakes i think that's the good energy that we have on the podcast of being able to again you play one style i play another you play this bankroll i play this bankroll it, it's to each their own it's all the risk that's associated with it i you know i think that the screenshots get a bad rap and i know i'll post them but i don't have no problem talking about the losses that go with it it just depends week to week and what you're showing off I, it's funny when you do post one though and that's why this past week i post with the whole 143 bucks is because you'll post one and everyone assumes it's because you have 150 lineups when you you know win 30 grand in a tournament you mean you couldn't even come close with max buy-ins that's why it really doesn't matter but then a week like this someone will say oh well, what, what's the excuse now it's not 150 lineups it's one that i picked out of 10 so felt good happy to have it let's move on to this week what are we talking about next year with the listener league all right so this, the winner of the listener league this past week was smoke 401 uh no avatar just a blank face uh you know he had roy mcelroy um who finished uh, what 11th uh, at 11.73 owned, he had Dustin Johnson, winner, uh, 22.8% owned, which is nice because he, uh, Dustin Johnson overall was like 14 to 16% on the most GPP. So pretty sharp by the DJ Nation out there. He had Joaquin Neiman, who I don't know what that happened to him on Sunday. Uh, like he literally couldn't make a putt and he couldn't even hit the ball. I don't know. He shot like five over. Um, he was 22.4% owned. Hovland, who was one of my plays, like one of the only bright spots I had out there, 36.33% owned. Uh, finished in 11th. Harold Varner, who's been playing fucking lights out, a uh, little bit less than 5% owned. And Brendan Steele, who had a really nice tournament and 1.2% owned. That was probably the kicker right there for his for his win. What you think in the lineup? Yeah, fantastic. I think, you know, the the Rory play, I looked at a little bit earlier, again, back to the Rotogrinder show, but it was, Rory was the best leverage play to Bryson, right? Because Bryson was right up there and 
Uh, Bryson was 11,000, but for 200 bucks more, you get Rory. Rory only beat him by two points. It was obviously much closer, but I mean, Rory still scores. He's the number one ranked player in the world. We were waiting for a little bit of a bounce back from him. He still didn't really have it. I mean, he had a, he had a great four rounds. He started out with that 63 and then it went down a bit from there, but it's hard to replicate a 63 and continue that. So overall solid, like you said, steel Varner, the low owned plays that got him through Hovland just had to be the best chalk of all time. So uh, congrats to smoke underscore four Oh one, two, two, quick things uh one shout out to dan blah he's a roto grinder or he's a gups corner member second and fifth he finished which i thought is huge anytime someone comes second and fifth in a tournament of this size it's still a, a solid solid result and then shout out to my boy the dob in 10th he uh he wanted me to give him a shout out i told him i'd give him european each way odds and so like a top 10 he might get in and he made it so congrats to him one other quick note guys on the listener league we posted it again today it's the same as before you got to get in it. And, and on top of that, you got to get back to me. So if you win, we'll put you into the tournament. That's no problem because we know you're on the DraftKings app. But if you want your one month free of Roto Grinders Premium, you got to DM me at Totag and Tambo. And also get in the three men. We, you know, Kenny sent two invites this week to last week's winner and he didn't quite make it into the three men. So it is what it is. You don't need to, but just a lot of fun to get in there the next week and see up against Kenny and I what you can do. So hopefully for this week, smoke underscore 401, you'll get in. Congrats again on the lineup and hope to see you in there this week. Yeah, I think there were like four Gups Corner lineups in the top 25 in the list league, which is nice because they must not have listened to me. They must have listened to Gup because Gup had DJ winning. Uh, he did. He, he, Gup had DJ winning. Gup had him at 28 to 1, uh, one of his bets as well. So it was a great week by by uh, by Gup out there. And thank God because, I mean, God, I was shitty again. But but let's get on. It's a new week. I can, I'm wiping that clean. We're going to start clean. New week. Uh, we're looking at a totally different field. You know, so, you know, it's definitely not the fields that we have been used to the first three weeks, but still, it's not horrible. So let's get to the course for here for a little bit. The PGA Tour heads to Detroit, Michigan for the Rock and Mortgage, Mortgage Classic from Detroit Golf Club. This is the second iteration of this event, so the course is still a bit of an unknown to golfers and gamblers alike. Uh, last year was an absolute birdie fest as Nate Lashley won by six strokes with a score of minus 25. The course was wet and soft due to frequent rain leading into the event and during the event. And while the rough was at about three and a half inches, it didn't stop golfers from breaking out the big stick off the tee. Uh, the weather this year looks to be much drier leading up to and during the event. So it's possible we see a bit of a difference here scoring-wise compared to last year. Uh, if the course superintendent doesn't water the greens that much, it could lead to firmer greens. Uh, this is all conjecture. And you don't know how they're going to manage the course. But we will get some insight Wednesday afternoon as Bubba, her HV3, Jason Day, and Wesley, Wesley Bryan are scheduled to hold a charity match that will be televised on site. Uh, I will be paying very close attention to this match to see how the course is looking prior to lineup lock. I mean, in the back of my head, I think it's going to play very similar to, to last year. But, you know, if it's going to be a lot drier, if they want to make it a little bit more difficult, I've heard rumors that the superintendent's going to up the rough a little bit. I mean, again, this is only the second time this has ever been played uh, at this course. So there's still a lot of unknowns. There could be some adjustments. So I would pay attention to that match just to see how the course is looking. Uh, going into it and I wouldn't take any stock in how those four guys play because it's probably just going to be shit talking if we saw what Wesley Bryan bubble cup weeks ago uh, you know uh, yeah. on PGA Tour Live talking shit to each other the whole time while they're playing I expect it to be that type of that type of match but look at the course and pay attention to it when you watch on Wednesday uh, so Detroit Golf Club was designed by Donald Ross and has the usual trend 
trademarks of a Ross course with tree-lined fairways, numerous fairway bunkers in the tee-shot landing zones, undulating fairways and greens, and an even blend of long and shorter holes. The course is 7,300-plus yards, 7,300-plus yard par 72 with four par threes and four par fives. Two of the par fives are around the 550-yard range and should be reached in two by most golfers that hit the fairways off the tee. The par 5-17th is a bit longer at 577 yards, but still should be reachable in two with a strong drive. The par 5-4th hole is well over 600 yards and will probably be a three-shot hole for most unless you're the whale, Bryson Chambeau. Two of the par 3s are on the shorter side, and two are well over 200 yards. Seven of the par 4s range from around 395 yards to 455 yards. So looking at that 400 to 450 yard range, even though there's only like specifically two holes really in that range, I mean, 395, I'd count that as in that range and 455, I'd count that in that range as well. Uh, two range from 465 to 480 yards and one of the par fours is close to 380 yards. With four par fives and several longer par fours, I'd expect to see driver pulled out on close to half the holes each round. Off the tee, oh, and I think it was like 13 yards more than the tour average in driving distance at this course last year than the other courses on tour. Now, off the tee, golfers see many straight holes uh, without too many dog legs with slightly below average fairway widths, but it's going to be much wider than what we've seen the last three weeks um, and fairway bunkers are definitely going to be in the landing zones the fairways have a bit of undulation on them so many approaches will come with awkward stances and if golfers miss the fairways off the tee they'll have to deal with anywhere from 3.5 inches or more are uh, rough and some trees now if golfers miss wildly with their drive you know like 20 plus yards they could catch a break because this course is pretty tight uh, and, you know, it, it, you can just shoot your ball over the trees and land it in the fairway on the next hole next to you and have a pretty open shot uh, over the trees onto the, onto the green. Uh, now, on approaches, golfers will see less than average size greens with bunkers surrounding most of them. The greens slope heavily from back to front. This is another Donald Ross staple uh, with a stip meter rating of around 12.5. So the key is, you know, keep it under the hole. Uh, the POA, the, it's, it's a POA course with about 20% bent uh, blended and with uh, heavy undulation. So it could be a tough putting week for the, some, depending on how difficult they make the pin locations. Uh, if you're looking for correlating courses, Sedgefield Country Club, which hosts the Wyndham Championship, and East Lake, which hosts the Tour Championship, are the other two Donald Ross courses played every year. Tambo, what stats are you looking for? Yeah, not so much that. I mean, you mentioned all the stats are going to fit in with the approach, the greens and regulation, the par five scoring with having four par fives, you know, the longer par threes, et cetera. But I think it's kind of to your point, what you said, there's gonna be a lot that comes into play here with the fact that it's only been played one year. The course history is pretty much irrelevant. There's recent form is of three weeks or four weeks. So it's, it's not huge. It's sort of look at that long-term form. And then, like you said, I think it's a great point that we get this little charity match as an example that you can sort of see how the course is playing to see what that lines up with. And of course, you're going to want to wait out seeing after last week was the, the first real time we've got to see it so far. But this, these ownership projections are extremely important in, in this time of year and when we're coming back from this layoff and guys are just playing a lot of the same, the congested picks in these ranges that you can just find these pivots away from them. So hopefully we'll have some of those that we go through on, on this podcast with you. And then throughout the week, just keep an eye on Kenny's content as well as mine for what you guys see out there. Yeah, well, of course, you probably want to wait as late as you can to make your lineups, not only because of that charity match, but also because of the COVID withdrawals. 
Uh, they've been coming fast and furious yeah. here the last couple of weeks. Um, I mean, it was to be expected. Uh, it's not like they were going to be perfect with it. Um, I don't see too much of an issue as long as it's not like 10 golfers a week. I mean, two, two, two golfers a week, something like that. I, I think that's what you would expect with how it's going in the United States right now. Uh, even if they do stay in the bubble, I mean, you got to think Harris English is the latest withdrawal uh, this week, who would have been one of my cash game cornerstones till his withdrawal. Um, you know, he wasn't even in the field last week. So he came from home and must have caught it there. Uh, even if he did caught, catch it, because you saw last week with uh, Cameron Champ, who tested positive once, and then his subsequent next three tests were negative. So, I mean, it's bananas what's going on, but it's just another wrinkle that you have to deal with um, when you're making your lineups each week, and you just got to pray that, you know, none of those happen in the middle of the round, like we saw with Denny McCarthy last week. Luckily, he was pretty low on. What do you think about this COVID stuff, Tambo? Well, yeah, Bud Colley was a big one. Bud Colley actually had a good round and then had to bow out, right? Like it probably was on pace. So, I mean, it's going to come up. I think it's another part of the risk that's involved when playing, but I'm not going to do that. You know, I'm not going to be worried so much about that as I am, you know, making sure you keep an, an eye on things beforehand, right? Make sure you're following the news. Make sure you're getting the updates. Turn on the Twitter notifications. Stay tuned right to the last minute. And absolutely, if you got any type of real money in play for yourself, I would say wake up. The morning of, you know, it is what it is. Uh, you know, maybe this is part of the, the baby factor here, but I'll, I'll still be waking up. I'll be up early anyway. So I'll be up to check my lineups to make sure that you're not getting any of these last minute things. Cause it seems like that's when it's coming out, right. Is right. The day before or whatever it is. And then you got to be careful too. I just make a quick note, but last week, you know, the Kepka was very late and Webb very late. And you kind of have to know a little bit how that changes the construction process, right? Like obviously a lot of ownership last week moved to JT, and Cantlay for Kepka, and then same with Webb moving up. You know, some of it went to more to more to Bryson and things like that. So I don't know if you'll care about those dynamics so much, but if you got a lot of lineups like myself, that is a bigger factor that comes into play for how you're constructing your lineups or how you're making your pool and how it works out. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm lucky. I mean, you're going to be up because of the baby. I got to get up at three thirty in the morning every day on yeah. Thursdays for 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 my new job. So, so I'll be, I'll, I'll be, you know, every Thursday morning, the last couple of weeks, I've just been on the phone refreshing every time trying to see that that could be the smart play. I know it's not possible for a lot of people, but I mean, it's something that you can do if you'd like. All right. So let's move on to uh, this week's uh, the tier. Let's start off in this 10 K range. We got Victor Hovland all the way to the whale, Bryson the Shambo. Who you like this week? Yeah, so first uh, pivot of the week is going to be quite easy for me. You guys probably had it coming, but, you know, Bryson at the top, 11-7. Sounds like he's going to be extremely high-owned, 25 to 30% range in large field GPPs. I'll just play Webb for 700 bucks less. You know, it's, a, in my opinion, a good leverage spot. I'm guessing Webb will still have some ownership, but not quite near what Bryson's even, you know, let's say Bryson's at 30 or 28. Then let, let's say Webb's at 12 to 15, I think. So uh, I'm okay with Webb here. Um, obviously you guys know me from talking last time. I'm really not sold on Bryson is the best in the world thing. I think it's obvious in this field that he's number one, or if you want to argue for Webb, you could say number two, but I'm not even going to argue that I'll say Bryson's number one in the field right now with how he's playing his stats, et cetera. But in the, at the end that's priced in and accounted for with ownership. So at 11, seven and all that ownership, it's not a guarantee just because the books have met five to one or six to one or whatever. Obviously that's ludicrous. It's not something you see quite often nowadays on the PGA tour. But it doesn't mean he's going to win. Put it this way. I, I don't care what anybody says. It, to me, it does. it's not a guarantee just because of that. The books don't want to get hammered and lay out a number of 15 
where people can just pound it and then they would get hit because people will take that. Obviously, right now, a lot of people are saying, well, I like him, but I'm not going to bet him at six and a half to one or whatever that number is. So um, will he make the cut? Absolutely. Will, will he pay off 11-7? I don't know. I can't tell you that. And to be honest, I know you could say, well, he really didn't find his putter. He was burning edges. He's been doing that. It doesn't matter. He's really not putting himself. Someone said it best on Twitter. I forget who it was. I apologize. But he's not really putting himself proximity-wise in range. So it's not really like he's – the reason he's burning edges is because these putts are all coming from way out. So could he fix it? Sure. But then could the drive go off a little bit here? Could that rough be up a little bit too much for him to control? I don't know. So I'm not as high on him. I like Webb there. The other before, guys before, I like- we, before you move on, let me talk about Bryson because you made a good point uh, about his proximity. And the thing is, if you look at the way this course is going to be set up, you're going to expect Bryson to hit a lot of drivers off the tee. He's going to leave himself 125 to 150 on some of the longer holes, maybe 150 to 175. Those are going to be the two uh, proximity ranges that I'm going to be looking at this week. And you're right. He, he's just He's just been average from that range. I mean, that, that's, that's the reason why he's not winning. Uh, because he's hitting a shit ton of wedges out there. But like in this field, since, you know, in the last 12 rounds, let's go recent, uh, in the last 12 rounds, you know, basically since he's gotten back uh, from the break, you know, he's 24th in proximity from 150 to 175 and 28th in proximity from 125 to 150 in this field in the last 12 rounds. And he's even worse in the last 50 rounds. Been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. That's what he's got to fix. Uh, I mean, the thing is, he's still hitting greens. You know, yeah. it's not like he's missing greens with these clubs. He's just not hitting it as close as a lot of other guys would from that range. And, and that's the issue we have now. Can he go out there and, you know, do it this week? Of course he can. He's Bryson. He's going to be he's, – he's an exceptional golfer. You see the skill level and the amount of work and the effort he puts in week in, week out to get better. And I know a lot of people give him shit for that. Uh, but, I mean, those ranges there – is wedges just have been average. And yeah, no, that's one thing I'll note little, quickly, though, is that it has improved. You just nailed it with those numbers. So it's got better over the last hundreds. Yes. Last so he's working on it, and that's why it can turn around. We can spend you know hours on it. We don't need to, but I guess the point more is that you know even if it shows up this week, there's other things that can go off, and does he still need to put the work in? Of course, because he's been busy spending his time you know, hitting 195 club head speed with 0.5 accuracy. Like he's just nailing it down the pipe. So again, not a, he's never a bad play. I just, it's an easier pivot for me because there's so many guys underneath him. I like Reed in this range. I like Matsuyama. I think those are great GBP plays. And then I think the other guy in here, you know, four out of the six will say, I'm not really on Bryson or Hatton because the price and because the popularity with Bryson, but Hovland is one you're going to have to be careful with because he's just a great play. His price went way up from 7,800. There was no doubt about that. That was just, again, a must play last week, sort of in that range. He was my most owned golfer. I think it was pretty obvious to most people. You had to have a lot of him at that price. But now the price went up some. He really had the approach game, everything all around game, just didn't find the putter. So I think he's a great play. I just don't love him as much for large field GPPs as I do Webb, Reed, and Matsuyama. What do you got in this range, Kenny? Well, Hovland's going to be my first cash game cornerstone. Uh, so, of course, if you guys have listening, been long enough, he's going to be light in my GPPs. But the way he's playing, you know, a bunch of top 25s in a row, 
you know, iron game strong, strokes gain, uh, tee to green strong, you, you know, driving the ball extremely well. I mean, if you look at the last 50 rounds, uh, I know this is, you know, combined some of Bryson post-weight and Bryson pre-weight. Uh, in the last 50 rounds, Hovland's actually beating Bryson. Uh, strokes gain off the tee in the last 50 rounds. Uh, he's been better. Uh, you know, his iron game has actually been better than Bryson in the last 50 rounds. Now, there he has, you know, he hasn't had that top finish yet because his putter has just been not great at all. Uh, but I think, you know, he's good enough where he can get a ton of birdies, um, you know, and hopefully, you know, even though he's not the best on Poa and Bent, that maybe he can get a little bit better. And the thing about it is, you know, proximity-wise, he's a lot better with his wedges. I mean, he's top 15 in both 150 to 175 and 125 to 150. So he can get a little bit closer. And another thing about Bryson is, you know, with the undulations on these greens, it's going to be the most heavy undulation we've seen in in the three weeks leading up. You know, if he's missing his his wedges and having these longer putts, you know, three putts are going to be – available here on this type of course with the amount of undulation and the speed that they have, especially if he hits it past the hole. Distance control is going to be very, very important. You know, you hit it past the hole on a Donald Ross course, you're going to have a speedy-ass putt with a bunch of contours going straight downhill. So, um, Hovland, going to be my first cash game cornerstone. I like Webb just like you. I'm pivoting off Bryson. I'm going to the Webb myself. So we're on the same page there. You know, iron game strong, putts well. I mean, that's sort of what won last year. So go back to Webb. He had a week off. His family's fine. There's no really stress out there. And I am playing Hatton because, I mean, you know, other – I think Hatton's been the hottest player out there if you combine probably the last five events. I mean, if you look um, at, at what he's done in the last, you know, five events, including the ones, you know, before the lockdown, I mean, what, third, first, sixth, uh, you know, and those were, you know, this year. And then he had, well, 14th and a 6th in the fall. I mean, the guy's just been playing exceptional golf. And, you know, all that has come, you know, after an injury, after long breaks, doesn't matter. This guy's just coming out there and whooping ass. And his iron game has been exceptional, uh, you know, gaining a whole bunch of strokes uh, in his last four events played with strokes gained stats. I mean, the guy's been playing some good golf. I don't mind using him this week. I like him a lot, actually. I'll be Webb and Simpson are I'm gonna start Webb and Hatton. I'm gonna start the majority of my lineups with those two guys. But Hovland is my cash game cornerstone. Why don't you go into this nine K range, Tambo? Yeah, so we're looking here from it's much smaller the way they've been doing it lately, but you got Scotty Scheffler. Nah, Watson, Finau, Fowler, right up to M at the top. So still going to be in on M. I think this is, you know, sort of the double flop leg. Like everyone was on him. He failed. Everyone went back in on him, sort of like the Webb Simpson thing last week. And he just made the cut on the number and then didn't have a great weekend. So it does feel a little bit like people will, and especially with everyone on Hovland right there, as I mentioned, who I still like Hovland, but I just think M is still a great play. So I'll, I'll play M and hope for lower ownership. I'm definitely in on Finau. I think this is a, a great course for Finau, one that we've been sort of waiting for, for a chance for him to break out and get that win. You know, obviously he has the Puerto Rico Open win that we always harp on him about and he doesn't have it, but this is a spot for him to break out and win in a field that suits him. So I, I really like Finau at 9,300. And then at the bottom two, I kind of like Arnaud a little bit. Price bump's not as nice, but the one guy I'll go back to is Scheffler. I know he got the big price bump off a miscut, but that should make people be off of him on top of the fact that, like I said, I, I don't know if I mentioned it here yet, but, you know, in my lineup last week, I had him, my main lineup, and it just sucked because he missed the cut on the number, 
and he made a bogey on both of the par fives in the second round. So just par one of those, and he makes the cut. And so, and, and who knows what the upside was from there. I liked him a lot better at 7,600 last week, but I won't go away. And I think the field size is still, or for, sorry, field strength is still too weak for a guy as good as he is. So I definitely like him at 9,000 to round it out. Yeah, I like Scotty Scheffler as well because I mean the thing about him is when I when I when I wherever I play him, I try to play him on birdie heavy courses, uh, and this is, looks like it's going to be one of one of these. I mean, in the last fifty rounds, he's fourth in the field in birdies or better gained. Um, you know, so you know the guy can drain it when he wants to. I do like Scotty. I think Kevin Knopf is going to be very very popular. Um, you know, I, there's a lot of people already talking him up. Fifth place finish last week. Um, I think I'm going to hedge and not play him in DFS, and I'm going to bet him. So, so Kevin now is going to be a fade for me, uh, just because I think his ownership could be inflated, and you just never know. With, with not, it's not like he's the most consistent guy out there. Uh, so, I, I will take that risk if he's going to be 18% owned, you know, or something like that. Uh, I'm, I'm a fan of Finau again, another guy, uh, birdie type course. He should be good to go i think he makes a nice pivot from now nah, i think people might be off of him with his missed cut last week and we're on the same page again tambo i like sung jay as well uh in that range i mean i'm probably sung jay is probably never a fade for me anymore unless he goes on a really bad slump uh and you know yeah. two weeks of, of, of poor play is not gonna do that for me the guy is out there grinding every day i got no problem throwing in sung jm and maybe a little bit reduced ownership because of the popularity of hovland right on top and Ricky's right, right so below him, right? We, we didn't talk about Ricky, but one thing I'll say is, you know, you mentioned this in the past. I think you brought this stat up many times on Twitter about the, the Ricky bounce backs, and he just hasn't bounced back yet. So is this the week that he bounces back? I don't know, but I know at Rocket Mortgage, the home game for him as far as, uh, you know, sponsorship goes. And, and on top of that, that, you know, all those media sessions, and things that go with it, and then the popularity that he just always gets and the field not being that strong. Don't, don't you think Ricky eats up some of that ownership as well in that range? I mean, it could, and I, you're, you're right. You, you're, this is his event. He's basically the host. There's a lot more responsibilities on him this week other than just golf, which could put a little bit more into his mind uh, than what he'd like to uh, to come out and play well. And, he, you know, of course, he had just updated his swing. He changed his swing around. Like, I thought the way he looked, like, the first time I saw him with the new swing, that it looked fine. But then again, you know, you see him again the next time, and he's sort of off a little bit. So and he's messing uh, with maybe, his putter too. I'm not sure why he was going to the Jordan Spieth, you know, backhand putter. Oh yeah, yeah, he's going, he's going dominant the on the stand. greens. Like, yeah. yeah, so he's definitely searching. Ricky is definitely searching right now, and, and I would just stay off of him until maybe you see some more, a little bit more consistency uh, from him. So let's yeah. move to the 8K range, and I'm going to pepper this range uh, a lot. I think just because. You know, with the majority of my lineup starting with Webb and Hatton, uh, the AK range is probably a great place for me to go for my second highest price golfer. So I got two of my cash game cornerstones here. First, it's going to be Roy Sabatini at $8,800. This guy just really, he crushes Donald Ross courses. Um, I mean, if you look at the stats that he's gone through um, in this, he's like first in strokes gain total, second in strokes gain T to green, you know, third in strokes gain ball striking, seventh in strokes gain off the tee, 20th in strokes gain approach, 17th in strokes gain putting on Donald Ross courses in this field. And it's not a small sample size. Like a lot of these golfers only have like four rounds, eight rounds, you know, 12 rounds. Sabatini's played 26 rounds on Donald Ross courses. And he just seems to love this type of 
these type of courses. And, and, and he's also been playing pretty damn good uh, since the break, you know, has come back with, uh, he's made all three cuts. I think he's finished top 25 uh, or two cuts and he's finished 21st and 14th. He's missed two cuts in his last 13 events. Uh, so he's playing pretty steady golf. So I do like Roy Sabatini as my second cash game cornerstone. And my third cash game cornerstone is going to be Lucas Glover at $8,400. Um, you know, in, in, in his 12 rounds that he's been playing since the break, his iron game has been exceptionally good. He's second in the field. And birdies are better gained in the last 12 rounds in this field. Really good on par four scoring. Um, um, really good on 400 to 450 yard par four efficiency. Uh, eighth in proximity from 150 to 175. 16th in proximity from 125 to 150 in this field in the last 12 rounds. He's coming off what I think uh, three straight top 25s again. So uh, you know, so so the consistency has been there. Uh, I I'm hoping that his putter uh, gets a little hotter. But I mean, you look, his iron game has been so strong uh, in these three events. He's gained something like almost 16 strokes uh, with his irons in the last three events played. Uh, so I do like uh, Glover as my second cash game cornerstone. Other guys I'm going to play in this range, Jason Day, $8,600. I want to give him another chance. Another guy who normally plays well at Donald Ross courses. Uh, I'm going to give him a look. I'm going to give Adam Hadman a look whose iron game and uh, putting has both been very, very solid in his last 50 rounds, hitting a ton of greens, you know, and then, um, I might throw a little bit of um, Christian Bezidenhut out there as well and a little bit of Eric Van Rooyen, the two, you know, foreign guys out there uh, that will probably garner very, very low ownership. I think they make good GPP plays. Who do you like? Yeah, like Sabs at the top. You mentioned him. I think he'll be one of the more popular plays in this range, but I'll still roll him out in some. JT Poston's the guy that stands out to me a bit there. Uh, you talk about the Wyndham or the Sedgefield. You know, Wyndham is the event, Sedgefield the course. He won that event, so – I uh, definitely like him coming in here, looking like he'll be a little bit less owned at 8,700. Uh, the big one's Doc Redman. I guess he's going to get all the talk. I'd put down, you know, for my second pivot was going to be Glover over Redman. You came in with Glover as a cash game cornerstone, which doesn't mean anything. I mean, it could be where you've got him as a lower owned cash game play, but I, I just, I don't know. I'm going to have to decide on Doc because I still like Doc. I think the price is crazy. I think the 33 to one or whatever he is, betting odds is crazy. Like, it, yes, it could happen, but I just don't see it. And the big thing was, is that it's just really down to ownership. If everyone's going to say the same thing and then no one's going to take them just because of that reason. I know Sergio didn't crush value last week, but Sergio was around the same price at 8,500. Everyone talked about him coming in, being the play. Nobody played him. Like in the big events, it was like 40% Sungjae M for a hundred bucks more to a Sergio at 5%. And it was like eight to one. That's just not going to happen. So, you know, same thing here. If no one's going to play Redman, I'll get on him. But I did like Glover over Redmond. Obviously, we've talked about this before, guys, with some of the pivots I do on Monday. Don't really know the ownership. Can't really get a good feel because it seems like everyone's talking about Redmond. But, you know, like you mentioned with Glover, he's been he's been dialed in with the irons. Justin Ray posted a stat. I can't remember if it was mid-round or post-round saying that Glover had something like 61 combined birdies and eagles, which was number one out of anyone in the three events back. So in the 12 rounds total, I believe it was all 12 rounds included. So, um, double check that, but either way, he's on fire right now. Hasn't even really crushed it with his putter, at least this last weekend. So I think he's a great pick. I just wonder how popular he'll get had when you mentioned, I think the, the main thing here is that the bottom of this range is really going to go overlooked and Hadwin RCB EVR are all strong plays there. 
that I really just don't see garnering a lot of ownership because everyone's going to want Glover, Redmond, Sabatini. Then you go up to the Scheffler, Finau, M, and they have to skip over it. So I kind of like this bottom 8K range for mixing them in and out of your lineups and your builds and construction. Yeah, I think someone from 8,000, one of these guys, one of these five guys or four guys from 8,000 to 8,300 is going to be, uh, is going to win a lineup or is going to win a GPP for somebody. It's going to be one of these four guys that's going to go ball out and it's going to be extremely low owned uh, that has the talent to win uh, an event like this. So I do like those those lower plays as well. And I think they are going to be low owned in GPPs. All right, so let's go to this 7K range. Tambo, hit us off. Yeah, one guy just real quick backing up that you just made a point that I kind of just get a laugh out of here thinking out loud is does Jason Day get rejuvenated after? So there's already going to be coronavirus, you know, worry. He never gets rostered anyway. He, you know, he's coming off an okay week, but his price still went up slightly from 7,500 to 8,600. And he just watched DJ get a win and bounce back sort of thing. Does it, does this rejuvenate Jason day? And, and he comes after everybody at 8,600 because technically he is underpriced for long-term, but obviously he hasn't done much lately, but I mean, didn't look terrible last week. What's your thoughts on Jason day? Well, first off, he's the best putter in the field on Donald Ross courses uh, overall, you know, that, and on Donald Ross courses. And he's played 24 rounds here. He's first in strokes gained putting. And we saw last year, I think Lashley gained like, nine strokes putting or something like that it was something ridiculous uh on his way to a win um you know third in strokes gained total uh on donald ross courses in his career in 24 rounds uh six in drafting points in his career in this field so yeah i mean i'm in for him at you know single digit ownership which is what i expect from him yeah i i just thought that's an interesting one so i brought that up but uh it's just thinking out loud he may make my pool so um hop down here to the 7k range and this is why again to those lower 8k guys get overlooked because right out of the gate you got some good picks here at 7900 i'm gonna say again just early feel on the week is that Harmon gets the ownership people were on him last week you know snedeker didn't have a crazy good week but he'll get some talk but i like snedeker more than Harmon. so even if you are going to play both or you're going to pick one over the other i'm going snedeker over Harmon. like i said it's another one where you could just take both but i feel i'll have way more snedeker than Harmon. Uh, the Sedgefield Wyndham situation that we talked about, obviously a former champ there has done well uh, in the past at that course. The big thing about Snedeker for me is this, and you talk about it sometimes when you talk about your showdown picks, Kenny, a lot of people automatically go to who has the irons, but is missing the putter. We'll use a Doc Redman or a Hovland or these types of guys or a Bryson, any of those guys that have got these irons sort of dialed in a little bit, but they're just missing these putts. And we just assume that it's always going to bounce back that way. And it's typically what we go to. With Snedeker, he always sort of has the putter, has the around the green game. We've seen that. He had it again last week. He really just didn't have his irons. And I would, you know, in this case, I'm happy to go to him on a course that should be suitable to him. Uh, You know, we talk about comp courses, things like that. Overall upside skill, 7,900. I'm going to flip it and expect him to bounce back a little bit with the approach game. And then the price is right at 7,900. I think it's more than fair for a guy like Snedeker that we know can get hot and get it going. And this isn't that strong a field as we talked about. So I like Snedeker over Harmon there. Could go back to a little bit of Todd. I don't think anyone's going to play him. Bottom line is he still hit all those fairways. I know Sunday was a disaster. Uh, he played that one hole there worse than, you know, I know you at the DFS Open. You had a lot of drinks the night before and we're out partying. And I still didn't see you put up anything like that on yeah. any holes. I mean, well, we, we, weren't, we weren't playing, of course, that hard, especially a hole that hard. That stance that he had on that hole. Uh, he was so unlucky it didn't go yeah. in the bunker. If it's I'll let you bunker, off the hook, and, and you can give him one or two bad stance. And obviously, course, we're not talking same course, more of a joke. Yeah. But I'm just saying, as far as it goes down to it, I don't care if you give him one shot. What about the four 
that it took him to make it right. I mean, you're a professional. It's no different. You know, you got to be able to figure it out. And obviously it, it's mental, man. It gets in your head and it's a tough game. So can't doubt him for that. But I'll go back to the well at 7,800. Uh, I like Kisner at 77. I like our boy McNeely at 76. I'll, I'll mention McNeely quickly here because the reason I like him is because the other popular play who I love, but I just think is going to get inflated with ownership is Harold Varner third. He feels almost like this week's Hovland. And then you, you factor in the Wednesday with the charity event and the fact that, man, sometimes remember the course, I think it was waste management. What was it? Like he had like 30 straight pars. Like that just isn't going to cut it. I know he's, he's so capable. I love the guy. I'm just saying if he really gets up there and he gets to like 15 plus percent, it's easy for me to make a pivot just because as, as great as I think he is, and it is what it is. I'm just saying, I don't think you could obviously see one of those scenarios where he just comes out on fire with pars and not on fire with birdies. And that's a problem for your lineup. So um, rolling through the seven K range just to get through it, bounce a couple more names. Um, Scott Stallings had a great week. Stewart had a great week and is also, I believe he's a Michigan resident. I definitely know he's uh, um, somewhere in there. I don't know if he's right from Detroit, but I know he's got local ties, had a great week. Think this is a course that obviously suits him. I'll go back to the well on Will Gordon being that I don't think as many people will chase that. They'll say you can't chase that round. He's just a great golfer. And it turned out, and, and he made it happen when he had to. All calm down the stretch, made made his result, you know, his own made his own destiny essentially. And, and in the end, that's what I like to see that little motivation factor. Uh, Hubbard, Munoz, and then Stanley, I think, will be popular. And, and lastly, Duncan to round it out. What do you got in the seven K range, Kenny? I mean, I'm going to start with my final cash game corner. So it's going to be HV three. I mean, the guy's iron play has been so exceptional. Uh, you know, here recently, he hits a ton of greens, makes a bunch of birdies, um, good with his wedges, again, uh, and again, strong off the tee also. So, uh, you know, that's going to be my guy. You're right. I think he's going to be very high on. So, again, I'll probably go light on in GPPs, but he will be my final cash game cornerstone this week. So my four cash game cornerstones this week is going to be Victor Hovland at $10,000, Rory Sabatini at $8,800, Lucas Glover at $8,400, and um, Harold Varner III at $7,600. This leaves you over $15,000 to fill out the rest of your lineups. And we're pretty much on the same guys here. Uh, Stallings, a uh, great week last week. Uh, I'm a fan of him. Uh, I'll be on him this week. Uh, Stewart as well. The thing about Gordon is he's playing with house money. Uh, I mean, you think about it, he, you know, he locked up, you know, his his uh, sort of special exemption status for the rest of the year. Uh, he can go out there and be as as aggressive as he wants, you know. And the guy has had what six top thirty ones in his eight events played. I mean, the guy at third at at, at you know seventy three hundred. I think that's a great play. So I'll, I'll go Gordon. A couple other guys down below uh, that I do like. I like Gooch and I do like Duncan. So we're we're very very much on the same page this week in this seven K range. So let's move on to the six K range. Tampa, why don't you go ahead? Yeah, and as far as your cash game cornerstones go, just so everybody knows, I think Kenny did mention at the top, but I really didn't like them the last three weeks, and I love them this week. So, yeah, you did, you did mention it, but i just say it one more time because I really like all four of those plays. So if you're on Kenny's stuff this week, go all in. He can't lose four weeks in a row. I'll just say that right here. Man, you say it. that shit right now. Now, we're, now I'm fucked, dude. You know, I'm you doing know, it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a big – I'm going over four this week now. Watch. I'm going to have a big lineup. <laughs> I'm going to have a big dollar lineup with four of Kenny's plays in it just because I'm feeling them so much this week, and I'll just differentiate the shit out of the last two spots. So yeah. um, moving down, 6,900. I don't mind Ryan Armour. Uh, decent, you know, 6,900, fair, fair for him. Uh, Lanto Griffin. So guys with upside here, Lanto Griffin and Wolf, 
I don't know. Like Wolf's price, especially, really is interesting at sixty eight hundred. Shocking to me. Yeah, I, I don't I, understand I, that. And I, and I the funny part is, Wolf. yeah, yeah, I don't think a lot of people will do it though. I think everyone's going to talk about it, and it'll just be a guy that just sits around that seven to eight percent. And I, you could say that's a lot for a sixty eight hundred dollar guy, but that's a lot of people that aren't on him. And I think at sixty eight hundred, that's more than fair. Uh, guys like Higgs, you know, that are on that range, Hadleys, they like them more. So I'll, I'll go with Wolf down there. I still like, I, I always liked Aaron Wise. You guys know that for longtime listeners of the show. So I'll definitely go back in on Wise. I think he'll be extremely low owned. I'll, I'll take some of him. Sepp Straka, our boy Sundog Monkey, Martin, he always talks about him. I don't think there's been a, a bad course for him yet that we've seen, but it just, he doesn't, he gets one good day and then doesn't quite get over the hump or two good days and doesn't quite make it happen that can change and it's all fair priced at 6,700. So for large field tournaments, I like that. The three other plays for me that stand out and then I'll hit some bombs are Cameron Tringali, Nate Lashley, because people don't like to play the previous year winner, you know, or the last week's winner normally. And they'll just say, Oh, that was pure luck. I just don't think he'll get anywhere near over 5% if that. So I'll play those two. And then I really like Cameron Davis. We've always mentioned him on this podcast. I think he's a good guy that you want to follow up with has the upside in these fields played well at the Honda, which was a tough field. And this is not even as tough a field. So in my opinion, great play down there at 6,500. And then some of the long, you know, sort of the, the bombs down at the bottom, let's say Wesley Bryan, 6,500, Josh Teeter, 6,400. Thigala, everyone, you know, he wasn't high owned at all, but you know, is the amateur that everyone wanted to give a taste to last week. And they'll probably be soured by it. And just cause he missed the cut and go back off of him. I'll be back. I'll go on him now, you know, zig with another zag, even though it wasn't a ownership thing. I'm just saying in general where people wanted to look sharp with him in there and, and he could have came through. I think he could have, I think it was a good pick last week. I think he should have made the cut and he just didn't quite make it. Now I think he will. So going to be back on him at 6,400 and then not really much below that. Kenny, do you got any other, you know, maybe start with the bombs and then go up. Do you got anyone way down here at like 62 down to six? Yeah. I'll probably play a little bit of Peter Malnati at 6,300. Uh, another yeah. guy who does pretty well on um, Donald Ross courses. And then uh, Johnson Wagner, uh, another guy who, you know, he hasn't been playing the best golf, but again, uh, good on Donald Ross courses, really good putter on Donald Ross courses. If you look at him uh, in his 28 rounds uh, at Donald Ross courses, he's fourth in strokes game approach and fourth in strokes game putting in this field. So, you know, that's a pretty large sample size because not many of these guys have more than 12 rounds uh, on Ross courses. So I, I'll, I'll throw a little bit of flyer on, on Wagner. And then the guys, uh, a little bit of Duff Daddy at $6,800. He's been on a pretty good made cut streak, probably one of his longer made cut streaks in the last year or two. I think he's made like seven in a row. Uh, he's another guy that I'll take a peek at. Um, Matt Wolf, we talked about. Pat Gazire, he can get hot with the flat stick. And when he's hot with that, he can stay hot. Uh, he was pretty good last week. So I'll throw him in the mix as well. All right, anybody else? No, I think we're good. All right, so let's get to our bets and one and done. Go ahead, Tambo. Yeah, bets, I just got four. And it's guys that I talked about. But like I say, some of them are more of, you know, probably lighter on them in DFS and want to have them. And then a couple standouts. But Hovland, 22 to 1. Again, I think if he does find the flat stick, he goes. It's just a matter of if he does or, or not. And like you mentioned earlier, you know, he's been a little bit better and he's been working on his around the green game and stuff. So I think that uh, it's a possibility at 22. I don't really love these guys. You know, I don't love betting anyone too long, too, too much of a long shot in this field. Uh, Finau, 33 to one. I mentioned him. This is the guy that I think can pull it out here and get his win that we've been, you know, has been elusive since the Puerto Rico open. So I'll go with him at 33. And then I got a couple each ways. One is Glover at 66 and one is Varner 
at 100. All guys we talked about. As far as one and done, I think obviously Bryson's the chalk. You could use Webb if you have him. And then the other three that I think stand out are the Finau, Matsuyama, and Ricky, if you want to take a long shot. But I think Finau, Matsuyama are the you know three and four there that if you want to not be on the Webb, Bryson plays up near the top. Yeah, I'm going Hovland 22 to one, just like you. Uh, I'm going Kevin now 40 to one, basically as a hedge for fading him uh, in DFS. Um, I like uh, Glover at 40 to one, Snedeker at 66 to one, uh, HV3 at 66 to one, and I'm going Tyler Duncan at 125 to one as my long shot. Uh, one and done for me, I'll probably go Hatton. This week, I'm going to go somebody up top. The guy's been playing great golf. Uh, so I, I don't know if I could bat him at 12 to 1, but I will definitely go ahead and play him in DFS and I will play him as my one and done. All right. I think that's it for today. Anything else we miss? No, it sounds good. Like I say, some of these betting numbers are out to lunch, but it, it is what it is. It's what you're going to get in a field like this. Definitely. All right, Tam, tell them where I can find you. Yeah, rotogrinders.com, guys. Hit, hit me up over there on Twitter, at Toteg and Tambo. All the shows throughout the week you can get on Rotogrinders are going to be, did the preview show today for the recap and looking back and, and the preview for this week. Wednesday, I'll do the Lineup HQ show. Got a new guest on this week. Go through our MME pool. And then Saturday, I do a show, round four showdown with all the game theory and everything that goes with that. So again, follow me on Twitter, at Toteg and Tambo. Hit me up if you have any questions. You can find me on Twitter at KendoVT. Also, you can find my article every week uh, at GupsCorner.com. Use promo code DGEN20. Get yourself 20% off membership. My article should be already up there. Uh, Wednesday, I will have my uh, Cash Game Cornerstones and my other non-Cash Game Cornerstone favorite cash plays out there. Occasionally, I'll throw some bets uh, on the Slack channel. Slack channel is like 1,500 members. It's a great family over there. It's worth it. Use promo code DGEN20. All right, DGen Nation. It's going to be a fun week. The field isn't as strong as it has been, but it should. This usually leads to good things for a week. Makes an exciting event where there's a lot more people in the field that, that can win. So let's get this done and let's win some motherfucking money, DGen Nation. Do you wonder where your food comes from? More and more people do. America's corn farmers work hard every day to grow a crop that you can be proud to serve your family. And they're doing it with an eye towards sustainability, caring for water, air, soil, and resources that fuel healthy families and more sustainable products. Take a look to find out how farmers in rural America work to make life better for all of us, from cities to their rural communities. Learn more at ncga.com. NCGA, a commitment to the future. Buying a home can feel like navigating uncharted waters. Redfin agents can help. They'll answer your questions with honest advice so you know exactly what you're getting into. They'll also help you tour as many homes as you want and show you what it takes to make a winning offer. With a Redfin agent on your side, you can sail straight to your dream home. Local expertise from Redfin. That's real estate done right. Tour subject to property and agent availability. Virginia Office Falls Church, VA. 844-759-7732.